Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara, or relocated uh, Connor O'Gara. I am in Chicago right now. Um, I am currently in my, my parents' house, and it is really, really cold here, and I miss Orlando, and I need to, I need to go back right now. I am in my fort. Nothing has changed. All right, so life is good. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, we've got early signing period stuff that we're going to talk about, with that being on Wednesday. There was some news over the weekend that we want to talk about with DJ Durkin in Alabama and this whole Florida UCF thing. And we are going to do uh, a couple different things to talk about bowls and bowl media, bowl mania, and how you're doing so so terrible. Yeah, you are really really really, really bad. Uncle Chris has seemingly left the building. Um, but before we do all of that, got to talk to you about our friends over at Sweet Hop. Yes, you remember Sweet Hop. They're the ones that hook you up with the, the luxury boxes at the stadiums. Bowl games are coming up, and there's nothing more exciting than seeing your team in action, especially at a bowl game. The buzz in the atmosphere as the team takes the field is electric. As we come to the end of the season, top SEC teams have been selected for bowl games all over the country. Will you be there cheering your team on to victory? I think you are going to be at least one of those. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will be in Miami. Miami. I don't like either way I said that word, but go on. Yeah. Uh, did you know that you can not only attend a bowl game, but also do it in style? Thanks to our friends at Sweet Hop, getting your seat in a suite during bowl season has never been easier. Sweet Hop has the best suites in the stadium available at the Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, the Sugar Bowl at Mercedes-Benz Superdome, uh, or Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and then at the, the Superdome uh, in New Orleans and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. There has never been a better way to see your team from the luxury of a private suite. View availability and pricing at sweethop.com today. After the season's over, Sweethop has you covered year-round with amazing suites uh, and access to them in stadiums and arenas uh, throughout North America. Okay, the matchup that we are not going to get this postseason, but it almost feels like we are in many ways, is this Florida UCF battle, war of words, whatever you want to call it. It's strange, and if you're if you were doing something else this weekend, you're going to Home Depot like I did last weekend, or going to a kid's birthday party like you did last mm-hmm. weekend. Maybe you missed this, but what has come to light is that Florida and UCF are still going. I don't want to say calling each other out, but the way that this is all unfolded is Florida threw out this idea that it was only going to accept a two for it was only going to do a two for one with UCF because that's what they did with University of South Florida and because UCF is a group of five team Florida wasn't going to say yeah we'll do a home and home sure one neutral site game why not the way that this has been reported makes you believe nothing that you didn't already think going into this right so um, UCF Associate AD of Communications, Andy Seeley, came out and said that Florida didn't actually make the offer. And it turns out uh, Strickland, Scott Strickland, the Florida AD, had uh, had an email exchange back and forth with UCF AD Danny White uh, that the Orlando Sentinel reported on and basically had said, yeah, we're intrigued about the idea of a, of a two-for-one. And Danny White is like, no, we're not going to do that. We, I, It would be unfair to our fans as... Uh, a top what 10 fans? program. What right. fans? So the the outrage now is UCF is saying that Florida is scared and Florida fans are like how is that? What, what do we what do we owe you? Like what's what's the point of this? So 
this this whole debate is is centered around the fact that Danny White is upset with Scott Strickland because Scott Strickland is someone who is on the college football playoff selection committee and feels that it is up to him to change this this power dynamic. And it's annoying. And it's annoying. Yeah. And I know it's, it's almost annoying as these sirens going off again. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta. It is annoying. It's really annoying. But what I okay, so people are sick of us talking about UCF, and I get that. I I, I totally get that. This is why it's interesting, because if you're UCF and you're trying to set up this matchup with Florida, you, you should be willing to do whatever it takes. And UCF is trying to pretend, like it has for the last year, that it is a big boy and that it is, right. it is uh, like a Power 5 program and it wants to be treated as such. Nobody is willing to treat UCF like that except, you know, the likes of Pitt or Maryland or, or even Florida. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech had canceled, but Georgia Tech was still was still going to happen. I mean, the home yeah. and home was was still there. So, what I don't get is what in the world is Danny White thinking? What in God's name are you doing by jeopardizing your entire reputation with with this 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 whole rivalry and the way that this has has come about? By continuously saying that we're we're above that, we don't deserve to be treated like a right. program that is getting this two for one, and Danny White is just refusing to accept that this is the way that it works in college so football. So here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, and this is what pisses me off about UCF. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get all amped up and, and pissed off again because every time we talk about them, there's some kind of ridiculous attitude in response, like like oh we're just rent free in your head SEC and blah 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 and like. You guys cover us nonstop. You're a relevant team for the past two years, right? So what I don't understand is we talked about this. It was like put on Twitter this past weekend. Teams like Boise State, teams like Florida State, before they got in the ACC, they didn't have a problem with going on the road, have this whole any anybody, any place, any time mentality. That was never an issue. UCF has not been a good football program outside of the past two years. How far away were you removed from them going 1-11 or 0-11? What was it? It was 2015. 0-12. 2015, they went 0-12. And so, and now, and that's an incredible turnaround. It's an incredible turnaround. But in 2015, you were 0-12. And now, you're undefeated in the past two years playing a group of five teams. That's still great. Good for you. You beat Auburn. All that good stuff. You do not get to challenge, I don't want to say the integrity, but like kind of the integrity of college football and its fans by saying, we deserve this, we deserve that. It is such a terrible, terrible mentality from their fans, from their AD, from their team to think they deserve this. And then when it's actually offered, what do we get in response? No, we don't deserve that because we're a top 10 program. You've been a top 10 program for, for about a year. And the risk, too, that I don't think people really understand is all right, some people are like, well, why doesn't Florida just do this to shut them up? Well, the problem there's is nothing that, to gain. Exactly. So there's there's nothing to gain from this. Florida is Florida's not going to lose any sleep over not playing no. UCF. That's that's the 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 obvious point. To me, also, what if UCF just goes back to being a terrible program? There's a, we we believe in Josh Heupel. We like him as a coach. We think that I, they're 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 in better position to sustain this. But what if they just go back to being terrible and then all of a sudden Florida's left with a home-and-home home with a team that's been, okay, they had a good two years, but what, what's to say that they're going to be great with a new quarterback when they don't have Mackenzie Milton, when they don't have all these guys? It's a two-year stretch, man. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a two-year stretch. Like, so this is why that, that bothers me in, in several different instances. Because, one, when you look at teams like Boise State, Boise State was that like this very just uh, annoying thorn in the side of college football for several years before they went to the Fiesta Bowl and became everyone's darling because they had that awesome upset in the way in the way they did it too against Oklahoma with like the Statue of Liberty playing all that kind of stuff. But Boise State constantly, constantly undefeated. They had that stupid blue turf. They were kind of annoying because like you know their fans wanted them to go. Their fans weren't as like petulant and annoying as as UCF fans. But they also went on the road and played Oregon. Oregon went to Boise State and played them. They played these big matchups like that. And they took what they were given, and I'm not saying that they should just be happy with what they're given. In quotes, did they have a two for one with Oregon? How did that? I don't work? know if they had a two for one, but I know they went and played. They went and played there, and Oregon went and played in Boise because Boise beat them. Right. And that wasn't. I mean, that was like what 2009. Oh, that was the Legarrette Blunt game. Yeah. That's hey right. man, good game. That's <laughs> and right. They just gets knocked oh, out. That's so classic. But the thing is, like, I'm not saying they should just take what they're given. and They haven't earned, you know, this or that. Actually, yeah, I am. I am. They have not earned the right to say that they should have a home-and-home, and that it's unfair. This is fair. And, and like, again, Florida gains nothing from this game. This is not a big draw for their fans to go see this game. This is not a big draw for most, like, this is, this, they gain nothing by playing this game. My, so my, you're welcome for the favor. Right, and, and part of the problem, too, and why Danny White is saying that they don't want to do this is because they essentially give up a home game and they would lose $2 million in revenue by doing this. Okay, if Florida's not going to budge, which they're not going to, because no. that's how this thing works. There's a reason that Kansas basketball refused to play Wichita State basketball all those years. It right. doesn't make sense for them, and you have to realize that this is the way it works when you're dealing with the big in-state school. The $2 million that you would potentially lose from that home game, you mean to tell me that potentially beating Florida and if doing right. what you think is possible, which is making it to the college football playoff, beating Florida in the swamp, what that can do for you, and I hate to go all Darren Ravel, what that can do for your brand is worth way more than $2 million. Yeah. So to that. me, that, that's that's ridiculous to sit here and say, well, we can't, we can't take a $2 million loss to go play Florida. That's that's not a good excuse. And to me, you're 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 trying to, to present this front, this tough guy front, when right. really this is. I, and I understand you've got to try and capitalize on this window because. And part of this is the fact that, like like I just said before, what if UCF does go back to being this dormant program and they miss out on this window? Well, what if they start going nine and three or eight and four like a normal program, and then yeah. every once in a while have a good year? You, you've hit a lightning in a bottle type deal. You've had a lot of success over the past few years. It's amazing to me that nobody can remember, like, hold on, hold on. Four years ago, they were 0-12. So how dare you say that we belong in the top 10 and this is not how you treat a top 10 program? You're not a top 10 program. You're a top 10 team. You're a top 10 team this year that is in the top 10. You are not a top 10 program at all. You're still not a top three program in the state of Florida. College football takes so much longer to develop when it comes to historical powers, when it comes right. to changing the narratives. It, it's slow to a fault in, in accepting new things and new ways to go about things. And you can get into a discussion about the BCS rankings and right. claim national championships and all that stuff. UCF is, is is trying to put itself in this position where it feels like this, this, is, this has to happen right now. And the problem is that Danny White is presenting this front where he's really not doing this himself any favors by not having this sense of urgency because right you could still maybe get this this two for one think about the fact that 
like not to say Florida is all high and mighty and wow, why would ever why would Florida ever travel to a, a group of five stadium? But I mean that's essentially what would happen in the U, the USF thing that Florida set up. They're going to play in, you know, it is technically USF's home stadium, but it's an NFL stadium, and it's not that far from Gainesville. I mean, right. it's it's a, it's a couple hours, and, you know, you can really maximize the fact that you're going to have a bunch of Gator fans that are in Tampa. And I think that, you know, and while there are a bunch of Gator fans in, in, in Orlando, obviously, to, to think that you're just going to get a home and home to have the exact same advantage financially when when Florida fans are going to continue to be the more financial financially you know invested team in this right. whole thing to me that just it's wishful thinking and it's he's Danny White is is dependent on Scott Strickland changing this narrative for him and doing his bidding when if you just accept the two he for doesn't one want yeah, that's what this comes down to, it's, right? So here's and here's UCF. I've called them a lot of things. This is what I'll call them this time. UCF is the dude in the wife beater and the white sunglasses that's trying to get into a bar fight late at night because he's got eight of his bros holding him back, quote unquote. That that aren't really holding him back. He's the guy that's looking for a fight, trying to look tough late two o'clock in the morning when he knows that there's not going to really be a fight. Yeah, UCF. He's looking did for it. a fight outside of a cop car. Like, I mean, he's 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 got security and everything else is in hand. It's oh god. Listen, I think what they have done is is super impressive and and the turnaround. But let's not forget that at this time, thirteen well, thirteen months ago, they weren't even selling out their stadium yet. Their right. dump of a stadium that was falling apart. They couldn't even sell it out until they were playing a game against an in-state rival with essentially, you know, the 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 conference championship on the line. That's that's the only way that they started to sell out the stadium. So if you're if you're UCF, what should you do? In my opinion, you should do what Boise State did, which was. Work like crazy to get into yeah. that Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That is that is your path to to relevance, and I think that you know we're because we're going to talk to uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CEO uh, Gary Stoken, who's been on the podcast before. We're gonna, spoiler alert: we're going to have him on the podcast for our bowl preview special that we're going to do a week from Thursday. And UCF, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to the subject of what this team has to do. Um, to, to become relevant and what you know wh- whether or not they would agree to do that because obviously they went there and they played against Auburn in the, in the bowl game last year what would what would it take so the UCF thing I know you I know people are sick of it but as long as it continues to impact the SEC which this does yeah. it's relevant yeah and I, I just want to point this out real quick before we go off on it to uh, 2015 when they went 0 and 12 here's some power five teams they played Stanford they lost seven to 31 the 31 seven. Uh, they play. They lost to Furman that year. Good old FU. Um, they lost to South Carolina, thirty-one to fourteen. They lost to the only ranked team they played, Houston, fifty-nine to ten. And the only time they were ever on a television station, ESPN, when they played East Carolina and then wet their pants and lost forty-four to seven. So that was only four years ago, guys. Four years ago. Well, You're not three, a top ten program. Sure. Yeah, I was trying to help them out. You're not a top 10 program. You're a top 10 team this year. Let's talk about another top 10 program. Well, maybe a top 10 program. We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Not a good look for Alabama this, this past weekend um, when, uh, I think it was Thursday this came out that, of course, right after we had recorded. We haven't had a chance to talk about this yet, but we need to. Yeah, you dropped it right as we started recording last time. I know, I know. Um, Alabama has 
apparently been allowing DJ Durkin to serve in a consulting role. That was what was reported by AL.com. Not hired, but he was that DJ Durkin, the former Maryland coach, was serving in this consulting role ahead of the Orange Bowl to prep for, for this game. So that prompted a whole bunch of people on social media freaking out. I wrote a column basically saying, why is Alabama associated with DJ Durkin? What in the world is the point of this? Alabama then comes out with the ultimate Friday news dump on, you know, it was what, Friday afternoon. And the statement that Nick, that Nick Saban released said, DJ Durkin is spending a few days with our staff in Tuscaloosa from a professional development standpoint. He has not been hired in any capacity at the University of Alabama. He is simply observing our operation as many other coaches have done through the years. My question is this, what does it take to be a coach to serve in this role? Could I do this? Could I, could I go no, observe Alabama? Not. Why not? No. Well, I mean, because you're not as smart as DJ Durkin. I would make the, the negative headlines that he would. That is also true. I mean, I don't, from a killing a, a player standpoint, I, I think you're good. Whoa. Um, that, <laughs> that's what he did. Uh, it's, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that directly. He was. I would yes, say that his right. practices were related to the death of, of a player. But very fair. And all jokes aside, I, no, you could not do it. it I, so, and Peter Burns had an interesting take on this too. He said, um, Peter Burns is the one that brought up the fact that he thinks it's, it's Jimmy Sexton that's behind it. Yeah, that could be the super agent who basically has what eleven of the fourteen SEC coaches. Yeah, um, he's killing that, it. That could be my my. I still I still ask why. Like I just yeah. don't I don't understand why in the world if you're Alabama you're even opening your doors to him six weeks after he was fired at Maryland. It's because it's, the only the only reason that I could see there being an excuse at all is because not an excuse. It's I still hate it, but there's three top sixty recruits from the D.C. Maryland area for next year. And if maybe it's something to help out with recruiting, I don't know. Either way, it's a bad look. It's a black eye on the pro. It, look, it looks bad. Just because Mike Loxley left, all of a sudden you're realizing, oh, hey, we got to get somebody in from. Got to keep that Maryland connection. That's where, yeah, we've got a, a lot of good players in there. Terrell Hall. Now, now Saban said that this was, what was reported in AL.com was that this was strictly as prep for, for the Orange Bowl. And my point was this. Okay, DJ Durkin, yeah, he's a defensive-minded coach. His defense ranked 120 of 130 in scoring last year. How much is he really going to help you with that prep? And if he is just doing mindless stuff that takes no effort whatsoever, then why can't you just bring in a random intern, you know, which maybe Butch Jones knows somebody, or maybe Butch Jones Well, there's a reason that DJ Durkin was a head coach at a a Power 5 university. Oh, I understand that. He's a good coach, I would assume. I, I would assume that's how he got a job as a, as a, at a Power 5 school. Okay, so you know how DJ Durkin got this job, right? How did he get this job? By being, under, being, being on Jim Harbaugh's staff for one year, taking essentially, you know, because he was part of the, the Will Muschamp staff that got fired at, at Florida. Shout out to mm-hmm. Will Muschamp, who probably is going to still stick up for DJ Durkin. And then he goes to Michigan for a year. That defense had its moments, played better than we thought, and decided this is this is my chance. I'm going to capitalize on this. Maryland was pretty desperate in the wake of the Randy Edsel exit and the way that that all developed. And he was, you know, a guy who's in his 30s and he's this defensive mind and he's got ties in the division. And you're thinking to yourself, we got this great up and coming coach. Perfect. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. 
But in terms of defensive expertise, if you actually like go back and look at his numbers, they're not that good. They're really not. Right. And to me, it, it kind of blows me away that he has risen to the point where he is worthy of a Power 5 job and he's worthy of, of Alabama deciding that they're even going to open their doors. I mean, yeah, like it's, it's only because of what, what happened, though. That's the only reason it's not a good it's not a good look. If you're looking at it from a different standpoint, you're like, man, because Mike Loxley was a former head coach. He was an interim head coach at Maryland, right? Before he became he, well, a, he was well, he was the former head coach at New Mexico when okay. all of that crap started to, to come out of the woodwork. He had several incidences there involving off the field stuff that led to his right. eventual dismissal. So yeah. if Mike Loxley, it, like when you have a coaching staff that has several former head coaches on it, that's an impressive look, especially for recruits. I mean, I. I I'm, I don't think that. It, but he wasn't on his staff, and he's not helping in recruiting. He can't, he's not having. You him asked talk the to question. Recruits. I'm just telling you why it looks impressive. It's a former head coach at a Power Five school that we're not paying, and he's just helping him out. Like I think it's a bad look, but he he definitely doesn't like it when you have a former head coach that's an analyst for a bowl game. Yeah, it's it's the same thing they did with Kiffin. They brought Kiffin in 2014. He went on a chalkboard, wrote five numbers on the board, and he was like, "These are your playmakers. Get the ball in these guys' hands." And then they lost Oklahoma by 14 points. I get that. I get that. But they're they're not doing this to look impressive to have a former coach on their staff. They didn't want this they didn't want this ever to be reported. That's why Saban had to come out with a statement after AL.com reported this because this was something that was that was done from investigative reporting, figuring right. out what, what exactly this role was. And maybe it was Jimmy Sexton who leaked this. I have I no know. idea how that works. Maybe there is some I don't connection think Sexton there. would have leaked it. That would have been oof. His big just, client would be pissed. Alabama did not want this to come out. No, not I didn't at want it to all. Come out. I didn't want it yeah. to ever be a thing. I, I don't like it. Still, it's a dumb. It's a dumb thing to have to deal with when you're preparing to face a high-powered offense in Oklahoma when you got better things to be worrying about. So it was just odd that and Feinbaum ripped it and basically said, "Why is yeah. Alabama being associated with with DJ Durkin? Nobody should be associated with DJ Durkin six no. weeks after he was." Involved in such a big national scandal. That, no, that I, and I agree point. with you. But if you're asking me to play devil's advocate and figure out why, I, I don't. I mean, there's not. I don't. It's hard to find an answer. Desperately searching for one because yeah. it looks really bad. Yeah, uh, we'll be interested to see if if Bama wins. If Under they Armour win Spice. the Orange Bowl, uh, I don't think he's got the best relationship <laughs> with Under Armour right now. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's move on to uh, as you were bringing up earlier. We got some recruiting things to get to. The early signing period is Wednesday, and I. <laughs> you're laughing because I have breaking Wolf. news. <laughs> I have big breaking news. Uh, this actually isn't from me. It's from 24/7's uh, Barton Simmons, who does a great job for them as an analyst. And he reported that the fax machine is dead. Fax girl's gone. This is this is big time news because now, according to Barton Simmons. Uh, Recruits can just tweet a picture of their signed uh, national letter of intent and send it to whatever school they're going to. So the fax machine is now useless. Yeah, apparently. well, it has been for a while. So I mean, no, but I mean, it it has served its purpose in recruiting, and maybe there are yeah. still some people who use it. But I mean, I gotta think that this is this is the way of the future, and the fax machine is is no longer going to be with <laughs> us. I'm I'm really upset about this. I'm broken up. I, I hated fax machines. I never got them. If you're working a corporate job, good God. I'm trying to learn how to figure out a fax machine. It's like, why don't we just email it or just take a picture of it? And now that's what they're doing. I thought you, of all people, would be holding on to the, the fax machine nostalgia as the person no, who writes No, you know I like to write and, everything down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pigeon I, I carriers. Think, that's what I'm hoping for. 
Ooh, that'd be good. Uh, what about this? What about if recruits sent a wolf to their schools? Yeah. I guess wolf. that includes facts. Yeah, that, that, that technically includes the, the facts, but um, they don't, we can just pretend the facts doesn't exist. Um, there were some interesting little recruiting tidbits that came out from over the weekend ahead of the early signing period, one of which you'll love this story. Four-star Arizona defensive end Ty Robinson got a visit from Nick Saban. I think it was like last week. So Scott Frost, coach in Nebraska, then gets all 11 of his coaches at Nebraska to go spend the entire night with him yeah. in Arizona. They fly all the way out to Arizona. He's like, I've never done this before. I'm getting all 11 of my coaches just because Saban had come in there that week. He'd never done it before. He was a coach at UCF, so. Yeah, well, I'm... I mean, just saying, like, he's done a lot of things in recruiting to yeah. to really, you know, pick up a lot of where they were falling off in the last year. And to for him to do that and for him to admit that he did that, to me, says a lot. Um, Saban is basically just Mr. Steal Your Girl. I mean, that's what this yeah. comes down to, right? I mean, Saban is so good at recruiting, and I don't know what it is. Um, I'm sure there's some something involved that's extracurricular. I don't know. It's But, yeah, this is crazy. And But, like... For me, it was it was crazy to see all eleven of his staff goes down there. And this is for a defensive player. Yeah, he's defensive then. I mean, like that is that a difference maker for you at Nebraska? I mean, yeah. It can be. It can be. Kids, I'm not uh, doubting how good he is. If if that's just like this is what's happening, but it's like if it was a quarterback or something like that, you needed like you know for this class. I know he's already got a quarterback, but uh, yeah, wow, good for you, man. Swing for the fences. Nebraska's defense is not going to ever be a juggernaut under Scott Frost. So Black they kind of, yeah, they got to kind of take whatever they, they can get. Um, I have a I have an interesting question, and this is a, a, a different note with Saban because we hit on this very briefly last week, and I've kind of thought about this a lot more since you brought it up. Um, that's that's sort of the theme for, for today. Things that we hit <laughs> on very briefly, and now we're going to look a lot more in-depth. Wait, you had it in the, in the notes for today. I was like, yeah, I brought this up last week. I know, I know, but you, you brought it up, but but now I've, I, I've thought about it a lot more. When will the negative recruiting with Saban's age really start to show? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it already has. No, like show in terms of results, because if Alabama oh, is closing results? out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, three years from now. I, I mean, like, when Kirby is already starting to get a lot of these like really, really good recruits, um, I don't think that people are necessarily, like when he gets 70, I think that's the number. But if he's hitting that, my, my question is, if you think that Saban only has three or four years left, or if an opposing coach thinks that, they can then say to a recruit, hey, Saban's not going to be there by the time you finish yeah. at, you, you know, whatever school I mean, I that think you're going to I think he's going to be there for at least, at least three to four more years. I think he's going to be there for about five to ten. Um, I, I think it'll start showing when he turns 70, because that's a, that's a number to be like, hey, man, he's 70. Like, yeah. How much longer has he got? You know what I mean? Because he's officially late sixties now. This is and this 67. is the first time. This is the first time that he is officially recruiting as somebody in his late sixties. And obviously, Bama is going to sign this in this number one class. Somebody reached out to me on Twitter saying, "Oh, hey, you, sh- you shouldn't be saying that. You should go count the chickens before they hatch." Because you know this isn't officially yet. Blah blah blah. Like, all right, we're going off of what national recruiting experts say. We are not recruiting experts. We follow Who it. Who is saying this? Because it's literally, it's, it's we're reading it verbatim from from websites that are covering it for us. Yeah, like let's 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 take it easy. Uh, and, but and, I, tell, I, and then if that's not the case, then tell me who's going to pass him. 
Exactly, exactly. I, I do think, though, in the next in the next few years, and of course, Bama has, still has the number one class in 2020 as well. Um, but I do think in the next few years, we're going to have to see this slow down eventually, right? I mean, just look at what's around him, and I think that that kind of points to why this could slow down eventually. With Jimbo only being, Jimbo's 53, I believe. I think he's 14 years younger than, than yeah. Saban. Uh, Dabo just turned 50, I want to say. And then, you know, Kirby is still in his early 40s. So those three coaches essentially have like lifetime deals with their respective schools. With uh, There are places that have a ton of resources. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be there for a very long right. time. Those three coaches are going to eventually be the ones kind of spinning this narrative forward, being like, all right, you're really going to play for a coach who's 70? He's going to be yeah. 70. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And well, I, Here's I, the thing, though. When he's 69... You know he's coming off a national oh, championship. Gonna, There's no way he nice. loses when he's 69. That's good. Nice. I can't wait for that magical year. Regardless, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's fine. I think, I don't, I mean, this is the same every couple of years. Every couple of years, it's the same thing that happens. It's like, you know, how much longer is he going to coach? And I'm just happy we're not having to hear about the NFL yet. Yeah, that to me would be ridiculous. Yeah. Bobby Bowden coached well into his seventies, but did uh, he coached, know, coached into the early I, his early eighties. Yeah, no, you can see that's that's what I don't want to have happen at Bama. Is I love winning, but I would rather have. I'm, I'm just going to say this, and I hope you guys aren't offended, but I'm sure somebody will be. I would rather have Saban retire early than have some shell of a person of who he used to be just propped up on strings on the sideline because that is that's that's so defeating. Like like Bobby Bowden was was not in control of that program when he was gone. And you know Paterno wasn't. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Paterno's the better example of that, in my opinion. Where Coach he's... Saban, how do you think, what do you think about the first half? we got to go out there, and you got to get a good night's sleep, and get, to, get your studies, kids. I think it's. I think it's one. Of, it's going to be one of those interesting storylines to follow. Obviously, not this year just yet. But basically, yeah. when is when is Saban's Mister Steelio Girl reputation going to finally wear <laughs> off? And instead, he's I just going to be the creepy old guy. Using Mister Steelio Girl, it's good. I know twice. Also, I'm really upset about that. how bad that Paterno uh, impression was. Remember a couple weeks ago, I did it. It was really good. Come to Penn State. I've <laughs> been workshopping that for a while. That's good. We're expected to get some big time commitments on Wednesday. We got the you know the announcements that are going to be on ESPN, and we're going to hear all about it. And I'm sure there are a lot, but wait. just some of the some of the big ones. Uh, Nicobe Dean, who's got five star inside linebacker, Mississippi defensive end, I think, right? No, he's a linebacker. Is he? He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. Okay. Uh, yeah, but. Bama, UGA, Ole Miss. Uh, five-star running back Trey Sanders, who we've talked about a lot. Bama, Florida, UGA, Texas, all in the mix. Really Maybe it's like Bama. He's doing. Yeah. Maybe it's Bama who ends up getting him. Kind of remains to be seen on that. And then um, if he goes yeah. to Georgia, I'm gonna oh be real upset. Oh boy, that's not even fair, man. That is not even. Well, fair. it's it gets dumb because who, who's he gonna who's gonna play? I'm saying there this in the same time. I remember 2013, Bama signed four. Uh, running backs in the top 100 and I was like well I mean we're, they're all going to rotate <laughs> and then like at the end at the end only one of them was, it was like Derrick Henry Alvin Kamara Alti Tenpenny and Tyron Jones and Kamara transferred Tyron Jones got kicked off for smoking weed and Alti Tenpenny died Whoa. that didn't see it going there huh so nope. Just- <laughs> nope didn't think you would go there you gotta ask yourself if you sign too many people moving on uh, five star offensive lineman Evan Neal 
picking between Bama, UGA, Oklahoma, FSU, Miami. There are other big time announcements. I'm sure there's a ton of them. We'll talk a lot more about that. And I'm sh and I really hope that we're gonna get some some shenanigans, some you know hat oh, wow. switching. Said, said shenanigans, huh? Oh yeah, I, I said it. <laughs> um, maybe like an ugly Christmas sweater that you take Ooh, off. That'd that would be good. be good. That'd be a really good idea. Uh, Noah Kane is announcing too. I've got a really okay. quick. I've got a really quick, fun Noah Kane story. He's uh, the IMG running back who's picking between uh, UGA, LSU, I think Penn State and Texas. Um, so when I was, is, is he picking between Bama? I don't think everyone's he's picking, between. picking between Bama. Yeah. Um, so when I spent some time down in Bradenton uh, over this, uh, I guess it was over the summer, it was back in May, um, I heard this story about Noah Kane when he went to IMG, he went there for a camp, his, I think it was after his, his freshman year, and he was there just as a camp, like as a, you know, as a camper to kind of check things out, do all that, and he goes into uh, the IMG coach Kevin Wright, his office with his dad, and he hands him a resume. And he says, this is why you should accept me and allow me to go to IMG. And it's basically like all community stuff and volunteering awesome. stuff. And he's got a little bit of football stuff in there. But it's basically, this is who I am as a human being. Yeah. And, it, and he hands him a resume. And Kevin Wright was like baffled. He's like, I've never had anybody hand me a resume like that to say, this is a, a kid who's 15 years old. And he's yeah. handing him, I, I don't even know how him to Him trying to earn his keep like on an actual merit-based system instead of just, you know, yes, uh, how everyone else says it there. And, and, well, I mean, you could say what you want about that. Um, but uh, The Athletic did a, did a really good story. Max Olson um, talked, to a bunch of, uh, talked to a bunch of recruits that, who are at IMG who are going to be you know, signing their national letters of intent, and yeah. Noah Kane was one of them. And he, had a great, he also had a great uh, it-might-mean-too-much story in that because he's from Baton Rouge and how uh, he was at the grocery store with his grandma, and one time apparently... Uh, this LSU fan like bumped into him, and the LSU fan knew it was Noah Kane. He's like, "So oh, you're going God. to you're going to LSU, right, right, right?" And he's like, "I don't know. Like I'm grocery shopping with my grandma. Like you just take it easy." And this guy like wouldn't leave him alone. And I'm not yeah, to say so that all LSU that fans are like that. Too. But well, but recruiting gets it's it strikes a nerve with people. Let's just remember they're 17 years old. Sometimes they're 18. Hell, sometimes they're 20. I don't know. Um, that happened once, I think. Justin Fowler, but. Let's just not blow up their Twitter, say stuff about their family, call them out about how bad of a person they are if they don't choose your school. Because for the most part, guess what? You're going to have another four-star or five-star or three-star that turns into a four-star. You're going to have a star, so just leave those kids alone. The ultimate don't tweet it recruits week is oh God, right man. now. It's so creepy. It really is. If you, if you if you actually think about it, and I, I know this gets talked about every single year, but now with with social media being what it is, and you know this is more more prevalent than ever. But I mean, it does create the ultimate. It might mean too much, is which I'm yeah. I, I appreciate I mean, that. I've done terrible things, but I, I I got drunk one time in 2011 and tweeted a Jay Z lyric to a, a current not a current now, but he was a linebacker then for my favorite team. That who wasn't was it, my Mar best. Who was it, Marler? I don't want to say Nico Nico Johnson. <laughs> it, was really, it was a line from Big Pimpin', and I was like, "You got this, dude. I'm here for." I didn't say I'm here for you, but it was it was not my finest moment, and that's the one and only time that has happened. Now I do Kanye lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for you for for developing that. <laughs> There's something else that's been a, that's going to be a really popular topic of discussion on Wednesday. It's Florida fans know what I'm talking about. 
this is what I thought you were bringing up earlier. Yeah, so you, you we breezed past this last week. You brought this point up. You, Credit you to did. you. I brought this up. I thought you brought No, it. I brought this up. You breezed past it. You're like, well, I don't know. I don't think it's a really big deal because something about Urban Meyer being his competition. I stopped listening because I was so upset. <laughs> Now that I, thinking about it more, I think it's I think it's worth addressing. So Florida right now, as as we're recording this podcast, this could change because that's the way recruiting does. Yeah. Florida has one commit from the top thirty recruits in the state of Florida. That's bad. This is Florida number eighteen and year one of a new coach. After a year in which Florida State, Miami, were terrible. After. Dan Mullen gets the fan base excited again, going to a New Year's Six Bowl, and you got one recruit ranked in the top 30 in the state. That to me is unbelievable. Like I, I thought, if you were if you were Dan Mullen, you could win six, seven games and walk into pretty much every school, every high school in the state of Florida, and say, "Yeah, we're Florida. You should come here." And so the more I thought about this, I'm like, okay. This just shows you how big of a hurdle this is for Dan Mullen to establish those relationships because I think we all maybe, and I was guilty of this too, in assuming that it was going to be easy for him because he was an assistant under Urban Meyer's staff. You know, yeah, but that was a decade that? ago. Yeah. So when you brought that up, all I could think of was the line from Billy Madison. No, I mean, I mean, so but here's the thing: this you could say this they do close late florida gets a lot of late commits they do and they, they're rarely out in front of like you know we've got a top 10 class and they they usually close really well they, they close with like a top 15 class it's seemingly every year that being said when you have in what my point what i was trying to make was in this year when you're talking about the biggest turnaround in the state where you go from four wins to nine wins when you have your two chief rivals in state, Miami was terrible and now is is just a dumpster fire for recruiting. Um, but when Florida State, when you beat them 41-14 to 14 at Florida State and you're still getting out recruited by Mark Ricks and Willie Taggart. Now, everything has changed, obviously. As Not by Mark Ricks anymore. No. <laughs> now that oh, a whole week has gone by and that has completely changed, which is crazy to me. Um but yeah, I mean, like Willie Taggart, that that is you know that is upsetting to think that Florida State could be pulling like that much more in-state talent. They're ranked 13th right now, whereas Florida is ranked 21st, which is not a huge leap. That's not that's not a lot. Um, you're not far behind, I guess. But when you're looking at a state of Florida that has this year alone has 45 or 46 players that are four or five star recruits, it's one of the big. I mean, obviously, we all know every year it's one of the best and most talented hotbeds for recruiting in the entire country. When your top player from that state um, that is that is committed to Florida is the number 149 overall ranked player in the country and number 18 in the state, that's not good. Guess how many, I went back and I, I looked this up, guess how many recruits rated four stars or better from the state of Florida signed and played for Dan Mullen while he was at Mississippi State? I'd say Just, two. That was too, too many. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. he's. I told you, he's not a good recruiter. Never has been. He's been good at, at getting maximizing talent for a few of his players. I think that the nature of that job, and we've, we've seen it with Joe Moorhead, too. Okay. There's so much emphasis in state, in the state of Mississippi, to win those battles with Ole Miss. And maybe, you know, the fact that Dan Mullen has probably spent so much of his time in state trying to get that talent... 
I just assume that if you're an SEC coach, you go into the state of Florida and you get at least one or two, you know, of those four-star kids in every single class because right. there are so many There's of them. There's so many of them. And this is just it's a buffet. Kind of, Everybody can have one. And this is this is just kind of a, of a reminder of this is a this is a major hurdle for Dan Mullen to, to overcome. Yes, I do believe that he maximizes talent. Like I said last week, I think that you trust in him to maximize talent more than Willie Taggart, more than Mark Rick, yeah. and you're happy with that. But if you are trying to sustain this this model of being this brand in this state, that's just not sustainable. It's just not. And I think to me, the optics of that, if that continues, is they're, they're not good. They're definitely not good because that'll be the first thing that people point to if and when Dan Mullen has a down year and they'll say, oh, well, it's because he can't recruit in state. And right. to me, that's not something you want to have follow you. And that's, that's what, I, that's what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make last week is like... And I didn't let you make it. <laughs> but I'm saying, if, that is, if that's where you're at this year, that's a problem. And, and I, if you can't capitalize on it, I think that's an issue. And, you know, it is, it is early, but like... When you have somebody like Willie Taggart, I think we we can see at this point, Willie Taggart is not. I don't think he's a good coach. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's a good motivator. I think he's he can he can create a fun environment and culture for that people want to be around. Maybe and recruits want to be around. I don't think he's a good coach. I think uh, Willie Taggart is is enjoying some. I, like Jim Harbaugh wrote Willie Taggart the best recommendation letter in the world, and he's just. He's just rolling with it, and that's yeah. what's been able to, to allow him to succeed in the way that he has. And I understand that he was kind of, he kind of missed out a little bit, like one year too early at USF. Had he stayed another year, they would have he would have been a part of an eleven win team there. But I know, yeah, they would have been asking Florida to play for, for all those uh, <laughs> what he calls those home and homes. Yeah, I, I do question his his long term ability, but. Not surprising though that when we actually sit here and look at Florida's recruiting class, which is is still you know it's still going to probably end up being solid. Maybe it will end up being a top twenty unit. Who knows? But not surprising to see that Dan Mullen is now letting parents dress up in full uniform. <laughs> this is my favorite. We can't new... say the recruit's name. Just remember that. Oh my gosh. I love that Dan Mullen is doing this. At first, when I saw it, I'm like, "Oh my god, we've reached this point." Well, and now Bama, I, Bama did it this weekend, like with like some of the moms. It's revolutionary. It is so it's smart because think about this. That picture, and I wrote about this, and it might mean too much. Um, shameless plug. That picture is never getting deleted from that kid's phone. You have made an instant memory by having dad dress up in full head. They so are they are starting to gear. make um, mock like Photoshop things from like NCAA football 2019, like from EA Sports <laughs> stuff with his dad on it. It's so great, and, and oh, you know no. what? I, I I think I think that every. Because the most popular thing in the last like five years of recruiting is allowing the the, the recruits to be able to wear the jerseys and to see themselves yeah. in it. And I think that that does a lot for the visualization of it and just kind of seeing yourself, you know, wearing that Florida jersey, wearing that Alabama jersey, whatever it is. I think that does a lot, really, and I think it's it's incredibly smart and I think it's foolish not to do it. You can make all these claims about, oh, you need to earn the jersey and all that stuff, but this, I mean, it's recruiting. Yeah. I think doing it with the parents, though, is such a smart next-level thing just because they're they're you got to win over the parents, and why wouldn't you do something like that to allow them to have an even more interactive experience with it? Do you see the one with the with the mom that was yeah. that was dressed up in it? That was uh, she was like, but she was I think she was in the three point stance too. I if my mom so here let's fun fact about Patty Sue. 
Let's Love get Patty Sue rocking the Bama full so, uniform head to toe. My mom, my mom, we're talking about Christmas presents this week, and this is this actually pertains to it, so just bear with me. She said her knees are bad. We have bad knees in our family, right? That's why, you know, it's hard for me to run. So she was like, yeah, I really want to keep exercising. I've been losing some weight, but my knees hurt, so I'm trying to figure out what I should do. And you've seen my mom before. She's got this, like, curly little cute afro type thing going on. She's adorable. She's adorable as blank. And so, that was a close one. So, she wants to get goggles and a swim cap and start swimming. And all I could think of, and she was, I was like, Mom, you're not a good swimmer. She's like, well, you swam for years. And I was like, that's not how genetics work. They don't go back up. So, I'm not, I don't think that you should be swimming. And, and you know, if it's a really difficult thing to do. And she's like, well, maybe I'll just get flippers. And all I could think of is my poor mom walking out of this, like, L.A. fitness, like, what do you call it, locker room with, like, these huge goggles. She asked for a snorkel at one point and flippers. And I'm like, my mom's going to end up a meme on the Internet. That is what this is happening right now. I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. allowing <laughs> Your dad has to be or your mom has to be in, like, tip-top shape to be, to be putting on these uniforms. True story. My, uh, my wife is in an adult swim class, and she wakes up at 5.15 in the morning. It's a three three times a week class, and there's people that are twice her age that do this. So I support Patty Sue and her mission to join a swim class, swim team, whatever she it is. She gets made fun of. I'm punching you in the mouth. Do your thing, Patty Sue. <laughs> uh, let's talk, okay. So this is something that we've been playing around with for for a little while, and I think it's 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 kind of a you have to do a little bit of cross referencing with this. It's not an easy topic to you're nervous to, to discuss. I am a little bit nervous. <laughs> All it is is it's it's just a list of, of teams and what we think their biggest needs are for recruiting. You you went there. above and beyond with these notes because you I have listed you. like you've listed like three or four different positions for every single SEC team yeah. and their and their their needs. Some got and four. I, we're not gonna go through all of them. No, we're, we're not, not going to because we don't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of time. No, but there I are some kind of time. there are some that I think are are more relevant than others. And one of which being Auburn, because you hit the nail on the head here. Auburn needs offensive linemen. Auburn needs defensive linemen. And Auburn probably needs some running backs, too. And I think, you know, Auburn's doing a good job. They've, they've got two two of the top ten guards in the country in this class committed so far. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to need a lot of help on the offensive line. And, and honestly, I think defensive line and running back maybe even more. <laughs> Real quick, I know we've, we've, hit, we've hit on Auburn a decent amount. But I'm amazed that Gus Malzahn is nearly going to get a top 10 class. Why? They always have a top 10 class. But not, not, not in a year in which, not, not, not every year that, it's not every year that Auburn gets killed by Georgia and Bama, is sitting there with seven wins, is sitting there with a coach who is going to have the hottest yeah. seat in America coming into this upcoming season. And Gus Malzahn, to his credit, signed, is going to sign, we think, three top 50 recruits, which... Yeah, it, it, this isn't this isn't just like it's not only the fact that they they signed some good recruits. How about him going up and getting some of the best players in the state? I mean, going up and getting they have a five star coming out of, of Grayson from Georgia, which is the IMG of Georgia basically, um, and or maybe it's Buford now. I don't know. Uh, but getting George Pickens, the receiver out of Hoover, that's a big get. And then Bo Nix, who is a perfect perfect quarterback for that system. Um, and one of the top quarterbacks in the in the country, and um, and one of the best players in the state. That gets that's big. Yeah, I, I, to me, that's I, I'm giving Gus Malzahn credit because given the the change that they've had on the offensive side of the ball with with Chip Lindsey leaving to join Les Miles at, at Kansas, and 
you know, just the uncertainty about the, the staff as a whole, I think that's a, that's a testament to the Auburn program, really, to be able to, to recruit that well. A lot of programs will never, ever get to that level, but, you know, credit to them for being able to do that. All right, let's look at some of these, these other ones, because I think if you're, you could look at uh, a place like Ole Miss and think, what do they need? Well, a lot. They need a lot in the <laughs> trenches. Um, but you have receiver listed here. And yeah. I think that that's interesting because we think NWO and we think that this group is just stockpiled with talent. But then if you think about the fact that, well, they're losing DK Metcalf, they're losing AJ Brown. They, Lodge. they lost Van Jefferson last year because he transferred. And yeah, all of a sudden, Ole Miss, if you're think if you're a recruit thinking about playing in that offense and you know I haven't looked too closely at their their recruiting numbers in terms of what kind of receiver talent they're getting but good two four stars two four star receivers that are both ranked in the top 247 I guess uh, is the best way to put it since I I I do all my recruiting research off of 247sports.com but yeah and then you know also talking about getting like defensive back help and some some work on that d-line they've got one of the top JUCO players in the state uh, was a four-star defensive end, and you know, and some some more help up front because they're going to lose guys um, like Greg Little, and um, they got another four-star lineman coming. And I think the biggest thing for for Matt Luke, um, and he's done a good job of it this year, but for Matt Luke and uh, Joe Moorhead is to see who can who can win that state because Mississippi is a it's not a hotbed for recruiting, but there are some really talented players that come out of that state. But when you have LSU and Louisiana, you know, neighboring on one side, then you have Alabama on the other side, it's hard to keep some of those kids at home. Um, so I think they have 14 to 15, maybe it was 16, uh, four or five star recruits out of the state this year. Um, both teams have actually done a really good job of, of splitting that. I think they've each got four apiece out of that. So, Fun fact. Joe Moorhead is on pace to sign a better, a higher-rated class than any that Dan Mullen had at Mississippi State. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You weren't saying it last week, so it's hard for you to take it seriously this week. So This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, and, and just real quick, other big-time position needs. Um, I, I think that, that Tennessee's is pretty obvious with yeah, the offensive that, line. This has been awesome to watch. Got a five-star offensive lineman already committed. Could have another one in Darnell Wright, who's going to be committing, I think, on National Signing Day in February. Right. So we won't know about that. But if Tennessee all of a sudden just plugs in two five-star offensive linemen, that's such a good sign. And that's what it'll be on for Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, that's, they were, that's they were plug I was in trying to make a little bit last week. Is is um, it's cool because like the SEC always dominates recruiting for the most part, and they have so many highly ranked teams. And you know, we talk about this year; they have the top four <laughs> in the SEC. It's right. one, and it's a kind of like a rotating or revolving door, I guess, for two through four. It's been really impressive to watch some of these other players, like or some of these other teams that are, you know, like I brought up last week, South Carolina. South Carolina has never been a recruiting powerhouse, and you know, I know they got Clowney and they got Lattimore and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of more being fortunate of where they were in the state. Um, and having like higher ranked guys, but this year the state of South Carolina only has three players that are ranked four star above, and South Carolina has all three of them committed, which is just really really cool. It is, and that's that doesn't even include uh, um, uh, Helinski, the quarterback, who uh, obviously has South Carolina fans really really excited yeah. moving forward. Um, let's do let's do some bowl updates. We we had the opening weekend of the bowl season, and Uncle Chris. Did not fare so well. Um, I panicked and I changed. So first off, you got I, in your head. I want to. Yeah, I got in my head a lot. Um, first off, I got I got this. I bought one of these stupid uh, 
I thought it was like a bowl preview, like like a gambling thing, like a like it goes over all the picks. It like a, wasn't like a it website. Was, what, yes. what are you talking about? You just yeah. said a thing. It's a one. I didn't want to get into it too much, but it's like a. It's I, a well, I don't know. Maybe it was a newspaper you were buying. It's a I know that you. Number. You're no, still it's, in the it's um, century. <laughs> yeah, it's a pigeon carrier. No, it's it's a website. It, they have this thing. It's like the best way to help you maximize your bowl profits. All I wanted was for you to just sit here and send me the picks of who was going to win each game. That's all I wanted. Because what I have my own system of how I go through this. It's a pretty good system. Um, on who, how I pick my winners, all that good stuff. No, this was like this was like some weird algorithm that they had from this website, Team Rankings, and it was like going through the best way to win your bowl pool. And it was one of the most difficult things I've ever read, and it changed my mind on a couple of these picks, and it really pissed me off. Now, Marla, what place are you in right now? Uh, currently, let me look it up here. It's not good. Nick Sajan. Oh, you're is in 164. 164. Yeah, I'm in 164. Yeah. Uh, you have three correct of six games. Two of six. I think it said three. No, it's two. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's two. Congratulations to you. I, 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 wouldn't I don't know understand what who, like. when I ever picked Tulane, I don't know why I did that. I understand the North Texas pick, but uh, the other ones, I don't know why I picked North Tennessee State. It was so stupid. Feel free to tweet at Marler as long as he's a the bottom of the standings screenshots of the bottom of the standings would be really welcome yeah i think you have to click on like four pages of our bowl mania yeah. to get to you which well, shout out to you guys for we have over 180 people that that submitted which is pretty cool um all right real quick let's give a shout out to <laughs> to the people in first um let's see here nick's picks jacob alvarez 248 sls trite big game bob j mango hogs go to Tommy O. That's, that's got to be our boy from Australia. He is just living Probably. his best life right now. Adam Cathy won. Matthew Sadro won. The Hammer. Uh, Risk 376. Burselli's team and Trammel 05. I hate all of you. You're all dead to me. I don't mean that at all. Uncle Chris needs to needs to get back on the right track, or else. This so is gonna my go favorite there. team name, by the way, this is this is we'll probably name a couple of them, but um, not not today. But like the one that had the best team name, I'm gonna say, um, is <laughs> Two Hand Touch Myself. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. That also, pretty good. but uh, Marler's uh, Light Beers and Marler's Tears, or Marler's Tears and Light Beers. That was that was a really good one too. Anything that trolls you, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, one hundred percent. There you go. Uh, before we um, talk about a couple things related to some bowl games this past weekend, why don't you f- tell us about our good friends over at MyBookie? Yeah, don't trust the guys I went to. I don't know why I did it. Uh, you can get all of your bowl information, all your bowl go to needs over with our friends at MyBookie.com. They actually have a lot of good stuff. Uh, they still have you can do you can plug our bowl. Um, what do you call? It? We can do our bowls like that each. Oh, why am I stumbling through this? I've, I've somehow messed up the Google Doc here. Starting over here. So go to mybookie.com. They can they have all the actual bowl games. You can do all the lines on that, teasers, parlays, all that good stuff. There's still prop bets on a bunch of different stuff. You can bet on not just this week's games. I think we have the Gasparilla Bowl, which I don't know what a Gasparilla is, but I'm going to watch that bowl, and I'm probably going to gamble on it. Uh, you can also talk about the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, any of the bowls, y'all. Any of them. Over at our friends at mybookie.com. Make sure you head over there today. It's mybookie.com. Use the promo code SDS. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. And if you use the promo code SDS25 after 7 p.m., they will match your initial deposit and throw an extra 25 bucks. 
So make sure you are going over there. Um, you know, and it's not just not just bowl pick'em and bowl mania. There's SC basketball to gamble on too. I don't know if they had a prop bet on it. If you could uh, bet on what happened in that Memphis-Tennessee game, we'll talk about it here in a second during fourth and wrong. Um, but some pretty good stuff, even with college basketball action starting up too. Shout out to my guy Admiral Schofield. I love me some Admiral. That dude is awesome. I am so glad that he is back for for his senior year. That dude is is the man. Um, Tennessee hoops right now on fire. Well, on they beat the number fire. one team in the country last week. Yeah, and we didn't talk about that. We we probably try to bring it up. I'm sorry. We should have at least talked about that. Tennessee <laughs> fans are upset with us. Bowl season kicked off um, in a very fun way for everybody on the internet who follows ESPN College Football and got Yo. to see that horrifying picture of Urban Meyer where he's that, making what that What was face. that? Oh, my goodness. I don't know why. They they definitely did that to, in some sort of trolling sense. I would I hope think. so. Um, but that picture made the rounds. You talk about becoming an instant meme. That, that's it right there. That was terrifying. So I, put, I made a picture and put that on the uh, on the internet. It got backlash again because of his cyst or whatever. The cyst had nothing to do with that terrible picture. That picture was terrifying. That picture looked like The Shining when he was coming through the door. I don't know what prompts, prompts Urban Meyer to make that kind of face, but I, I'm going to miss him making those kind of faces. I can mm, say that. Gross. For as, for as long as he's retired. Middle Tennessee, your alma mater, right? I was there for one semester. That counts. Uh, Middle Tennessee ran basically the coolest bad trick play that you'll ever see so uh, against stupid. Appalachian State. They did this. Um, so Brent Stockstill, the quarterback, he tried sneaking it to what looked like just a squatting player. It's a fumble ruski. It was the fumble ruski, but not quite. Because he the, the fumble ruski is usually the ball is on the ground, and then you just pick it up and run. Yeah, Whereas he true. tried to hand it off to, I think, I don't know if it was the center or how that worked, uh, or who that was. But he the, the guy who, who gets the ball is just squatting, and then he gets the handoff, and he gets demolished. It was so bad, but it was one of the most gifable things that we've seen of this season. Yeah, so thank you for that, Middle Tennessee State. Also still upset you guys were a dry campus when I was there. Now there's a giant brewery. <laughs> uh, former LSU quarterback Justin McMillan led Tulane to a victory against the Raging Cajuns in the, the Cure Bowl. And afterwards, you know, he's getting the, the FaceTime and he's saying that LSU is still family. Good for you, Justin McMillan, for being able to move on and not be bitter that Joe Burrow was ultimately the guy in Baton Rouge. And He's doing well for himself, so good on you, Justin McMillan. You go, Glenn Coco. What now? <laughs> I said, you go, Glenn Coco. It's a Mean Girls reference, Connor. Come on. Was it? Yes. Mean Girls references usually don't get past me. Uh, well, this one did. You've been off your game. Yeah. I'm, it's because I'm back in, in Chicago right now. <laughs> Chicago. All sorts. Chicago. We've got some good fourth and wrongs to get to today. Uh, are we going to do all five of these? Yeah, we are. All right. No, nah, we'll probably do like three. Fire away. Um, okay. First off, from Dr. Hyder, MD, what is your non-football sporting event bucket list? What is your what is on your non-football sporting event bucket list? I want to see a game seven of the World Series. Ooh. To me, that's that is that is number one. I think that atmosphere, have you ever been to a World attention. Game? Never been to a World Series game, no. Mm. Sick brag for Thanks you. A lot oh, we're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to <laughs> yeah, say we got to work on that. We're not allowed to say um, that. We'll get to that. In that was like one of the cool things. Like when, when growing up, my mom once we like started, we got like we were 
poor when I was like zero to ten years old, and then I don't know what happened. We got out of debt, and she we we did our best to get back in it. We we went to the opening ceremonies, we went to that. Um, oh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I, I remember. Ooh, the um, Olympics. That, that's yeah, a good one too. They were in Atlanta. Um, I'll never forget that. Like we, we got a phone call. It's like, hey, your credit card and all your debt is finally paid off. And mom was like, let's get back in it. <laughs> <laughs> we went to like handball at the Olympics. It was stupid. Um, okay, so for me, non-football sporting event bucket list, I want to run with the Bulls in Pamplona. That doesn't surprise me that you would want to do that. No. And this, so this has been a dream of mine since I was like 15 and all the way up until like in my 20s when I was still in shape. It's still a dream of mine. I'm going to have to get some hamstring stretches going on. But, yeah, it's fine. Um, what's, what's the appeal in, to, to participate in that? I think it would be better to watch that than it would I think to be, be awesome. running. Be excited. The, just the adrenaline rush yeah. of it? Yeah, everyone does it, and there's tomatoes and stuff afterwards. They would catch you. There's, well, now they would, but wait till I get back in shape. I, just I'll wait. wait on that. Sure. <laughs> we need to have a, a vice, um, what do you call it, podcast co-host in case I die. Because uh, it's in June, so. Anyway, what is the worst side dish at Christmas meal? That is from Ice Cold Honky. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I was at a a Christmas party yesterday that had an eggs and caviar dish. Get out of my face. What? And it looked looked disgusting. You know why? Because it is. I've never had caviar. Uh, This Christmas party that I was at, it was, it's actually my, they're my, they're my cousins, but they're more like aunt and uncle. Um, they're, they, they got some dough. They, they got, they got a little bit of money. Well, and caviar is just, eggs. I know, but it's, it was, it was, there was eggs on underneath it. So oh. I, I don't have like a, uh, maybe that's not really real relatable, but I, oh. that's the worst Christmas side dish I've seen. You really just ruined my appetite. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm sorry. Not, it's hard to do. Uh, mine is corn pie. That is what? disgusting. I hate corn pie. Corn, I, I don't like corn because it, it doesn't digest and break down in your body. Um, it digests, but it doesn't break down your body. It just goes out the same way it comes in. I, it's disgusting. Thank you for sharing that for everybody. Who I, that's, that. what it, that's what it does. It's disgusting. It, it adds no nutritional value to your body at all. The doctor told me that when I used to work at Houston's. So hopefully that's true. Um, all right, from Scott H. Lowry, what is the third best TV show? Assuming that Parks and Rec is number one. And, no, Parks and Rec is number two. Office is number one. What is the third best TV show? I'm amazed that... Despite all of our differences in all things entertainment, we we talk music, we talk movies. We're very different in that. Our podium for comedy shows in the last yeah. decade is exactly the same. Yep. And number three is New Girl. I love New Girl. Hands down. I thought New Girl was such a great underrated show, and it it upset me that it kind of fizzled out the way that it did at the end. Um, but I thought that show was super super well written. So good. Um, if you have, if, if you're looking for a new show to watch on Netflix, you can burn through that show so, so easily. I mean, and it's along the same lines of, of like the Parks and Rec, The Office type humor, yeah. just the way that it, I, I think this that that show didn't get enough credit. This isn't going to surprise you at all, but it wasn't that long ago that me and Nick Miller were basically the same exact person. Yeah, I see that. That, I see that. that was like my favorite thing. We, I mean, Nick Miller was the man. Um, I mean, he wasn't, but I, I love Nick Miller. He was the best. So that that definitely was like for like probably number three for me. I remember moving into my first apartment like on my own, like four or five years ago, like when I didn't have a roommate or anything. And that's all I would do is like I didn't even want to get cable. I would just watch um, reruns of like the DVDs I had of New Girl. It was awesome. So um, okay, up next, let's see. Let's see this last one here. Other than Bud Light, what is your alcohol of choice to survive the multitude of Christmas gatherings? From John Bird seventy one. Hmm. 
I like how they led with other than Bud Light. That's a yeah, great, that nice. great that way nice. to start that. Appreciate that. Um, other than Bud Light and Texas Pete mixed in some sort of alcohol. Whoop, whoop. I would probably say that I'm a I'm a fan of Jameson's. I can Ooh, go. Ooh, it's just Jameson. Yeah, I don't know why I pluralized that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I make fun of people for pluralizing things. Yeah, me. Um, yeah, no, sorry. Because uh, I was gonna say I think I was gonna say Bailey's, and then I said yeah, okay. Bailey's is always good. I think eggnog is super overrated. So gross. It's not good. You, you're a it's step away from being homeless if you're drinking some kind of milk and bourbon mix out of a cart, cardboard rectangle. That is disgusting. I'd go Jameson, though. I think I think Jameson is is a solid... Um, don't, don't have too much of it like I did last New Year's Eve, but, you know... Nice. Enough, enough Jameson will, will make any party that much more festive. You ever had a breakfast shot? caviar and eggs. A breakfast shot of, of Jameson? Jamo. You ever had you ever had a breakfast shot? I mean I've had a shot at breakfast. I failed not you so much Jamo. when you were here. So a breakfast shot is butterscotch schnapps, uh, orange juice, and Jamo. Um, and then you what is it? You take the shot of Jameson, I think. I think they're I think they're separate. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but uh, I'm pretty sure you take them separately and then you and you follow it down with the butterscotch and orange juice. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Regardless, it tastes just like maple syrup and bacon. It's incredible. That sounds delicious. It is Maybe delicious. Maybe that's your yeah. drink to get you through Christmas. Yeah. All right. We've got one. It might mean too much. Oh, wait. It's hold a on. Mine is, mine is bourbon. Oh, I thought you were saying that that's what yours was. No, mine's not Jameson because uh, Jameson. I, I, I'm a big bourbon on the rocks guy. Um, so we'll probably do that in some scotch. My mom's a big scotch person. So we go home for, um, for what do you call it, for Christmas. I'll probably be home for about three or four days in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and it'll probably be scotch, though. That's what we usually drink. She's she's like, I don't know if you've ever seen this video, Connor. I, I've given my mom way too much love on this podcast today. But there's a video. It's one of my favorite things of all time. It's when Allie came home to meet my parents for the first time last year. My mom is a big mimosa fan on Christmas. Same. So, that's what our family does. That's, so, like, I, she, like, last year, she's meeting Allie for the first time. And... And my mom, <laughs> my mom comes out of the kitchen at one point, and she's had like, like six mimosas. Like Patty, Patty Sue was Sue. crushing it; she was getting Get after it. it. And so I, I look up and I'm, I'm filming her, and I'm like, "How many mimosas that?" She's like, "I don't know, I don't know, probably like five. Why? Hey, I love you." And like, it's like saying this into the camera. I'm like, "What is happening right now?" It was like, it was like watching Elf come to life. It was like when he had too much candy. <laughs> Patty Sue did get a lot of love on this podcast. Yeah, it's my fault, guys. Let's close with it might mean too much. We've got a good story here, story time, boys and girls. This is from Steven Widener. You're going to want to hear this. This will make you feel some good things around the holiday time. We got this sent in an email to us. This is really good, though. I'm going to read this um, just the way that it was sent to us. Am I going to cry? Yes. Dear Chris and Connor, I'm an Alabama native, a teacher, and a lifetime Alabama fan who lives in the Charlotte area. I discovered the SDS podcast this year and have listened to every episode that y'all have put out since the beginning of September, and I absolutely love listening to Marler, Trash the Big Ten, and Ohio State as much as I do. (laughs) This past week, my family and I lost my grandfather to cancer. It's been a difficult week of travel, reminiscing, and saying goodbye to a man who shaped not only my life, but also the lives of each and every one of his children and grandchildren. These past few months, as his health declined, he had, mo- he had to move from his home in coastal Alabama to my folks' place just south of Charlotte, and I was blessed to be able to watch every single Alabama game of the regular season with him. 
even with uh, the time, even though even when the time was running short and he just wanted silence in his room, he would muster all of his energy on Saturday to see our beloved Tide play. I'm thankful not only that Alabama currently owns a 13-0 record for the first time since 2009, but also that my grandfather's last year of watching Alabama football was one that was filled with victory after victory, especially those against Tennessee and Auburn. He was in his final days when we played Georgia in Atlanta. He was so weak that he, that he slept through the entire first half, but he got to see Jalen lead the comeback oh for God. the ages against the team that he had previously been powerless to conquer. My grandfather could barely talk then. And then, only in a whisper, but after the game was over, he turned his head, looked at my dad, and whispered, Roll Tide. That was the last game he saw and one of the last things he said before he died the following Thursday. I know that he would be a little mad... Uh, <laughs> I know that he would be mad as a hornet to see Tua get robbed of the Heisman. Uh, Tua, Tua and Jalen were both his guys, and I know he was looking forward to seeing Alabama get a little payback for the 2013 Sugar Bowl lost Oklahoma. So for me and my family, the, this playoff is about more than just another challenge to meet and another title to win. It's about the team that my grandfather loved since he was a boy, the team that he taught me to love, fighting through a dominant season that my grandfather was proud to have witnessed in his final months. So here's to hoping that the Tide blow past Oklahoma and then they go on to crush Clemson. We all know that Notre Dame is a joke and that's about to meet, that's about to meet reality when Dabo comes calling. Keep up the good work and roll Tide roll from Stephen Widener. Oh, I definitely did cry. Goodness, that. Man, that is, thank you so much, man. That was, thank you for sharing that. that we really, we really do appreciate it. That, yeah. that. I think, and this is something I spoke on a bunch throughout the years, or throughout the year, I guess. Um, I'm going to try to be serious because I'm terrible at it, but that really is what this whole thing is all about for me, is like, this, it's so cool. I, I love getting, like, responses like this when um, when you get to see, like, the ins and outs and, like, the insights, I guess, of, of how people, we get to spend their day-to-day with them, you know? I, I know we're not there, but, like, through the podcast, but that, this is, like, college football in general, that is what it's all about right there. Is it's, it's, it's such a cool thing. It's passed down from generation to generation. That's awful. That's that's awesome. Let's end on a uh, thank you. Th- thank you again, though. Seriously, for yeah. saying that. If if anybody has stories like that, please feel free to share them with uh, just all at once, though. So media. I don't have to cry on every episode because I can't do this every <laughs> time, guys. We've got one five star review to get to, and <laughs> you'll love this. This is so perfect. This is from uh, this is from too many likes. Subject. Please, no more sick brags. I would feel better about five stars if you could go one show without saying sick brag 50 times. Well, you know what? We only said it once this episode, and we Boom. made a conscious effort not to. So thanks a lot. Too many likes. Mission accomplished. Sick brag. We only said it once, dude. Sick brag for us. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for, for following along. We're going to have a lot of fun on Thursday. We got a we got big, big, big week. time guest. Big-time guest coming on the Thursday pod, and we're going to recap all things early signing period. Got some fun stuff ahead. We've got some good some good content ahead uh, for that's going to tide you over through Christmas. Special when you're Christmas episode. Drinking. Yeah, that's going to be good with uh, our good friend Josh Sneed. That's yeah. going to be awesome. That'll be really good. Uh, we'll update you guys on, on the schedule for now, though. Assume that we're Monday, Thursday until further notice. Um, I think, yeah, we're going to be Monday, Thursday, and then I think we're actually going to be Sunday is when our pod, after that, our Christmas pod is going to come out. So it'll yeah. be just before Christmas Eve, so when you're driving for Christmas Eve, you're driving for Christmas, you can pop pop us into your you know, your car, your, your tape deck, whatever it is, your tape deck, you can fax, I don't know what fax it. Use. 
Yeah, it'll be yeah, Josh Need um, from <laughs> SEC Shorts, who's hilarious. So one of my favorite awesome. people in general. So it can't, it can't be can't be said enough. It'll be a lot of fun. Watch us on Facebook Live. Actually, just watch you because I'm not yeah. on Facebook Live. Uh, those are what Monday night and. It depends. Last week we only did one because I was sick this weekend. We did Monday. We'll do. We're doing one tonight. Uh, still on Mondays at eight thirty. Um, or 8 o'clock, I believe. So check us out then, and then we'll have another one probably on Saturday. Sweet deal, sweet deal. Follow us on Twitter, at the SDS Pod, at SDS at CJ O'Gara. Best of luck to everybody who is competing against us in Bull Mania. Hopefully You're going to need it. continues to be terrible. But until next time, what do we need to remember? Coach? It might mean too much. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>